Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore on Green Earth Radio. We've got a great show for you today. Our guest is Seiwan Hastings, who will be talking to us about avoiding soy. Plus, our desserts will tell you how to live appropriately in the upcoming week. But first, let's go to our appetizers and find out what happened this week in the world of real food. In the past several months, surveys have been conducted at supermarkets in Los Angeles asking customers what they think about products containing genetically modified ingredients. A recent study found that all 10 people surveyed said they like foods to be labeled if they're GMOs. The results of the study show that Proposition 37 can pass in November. The only things that could stop it are the money the big ag companies will be spending campaigning against it and voters not being aware of the ballot initiative. Please, do your part and make sure everyone you know plans to vote yes on Prop 13. Next, a pitchfork protest was held last week outside of the Board of Zoning and Appeals in Fauquier County, Virginia, where Liberty Farms owner Martha Benita was on trial for hosting a birthday party on her farm without a permit and selling produce on her property. Bonetta says she didn't do anything wrong as she obtained a permit last year to sell fresh produce and crafts. After she received the permit, the county regulations changed to require an additional permit to sell some of the items she was granted under her original permit. Benita lost her appeal, but plans to try again. I support Benita's efforts, as it's important for farmers to have their freedoms. Also, another beef recall took place this past week, this time with the Utah company Dale T. Smith & Sons Meatpacking. The company recalled 38,200 pounds of beef products due to a possible E. coli contamination. They make products that are distributed to stores in California and Salt Lake City. Because of recalls like this, I encourage people to buy grass-fed beef, and even better, buy it from a farmer that you know. In another tainted food news, a salmonella outbreak occurred this past week, which killed two people and sickened 141. The cantaloupes were linked to farms in southwest Indiana. These outbreaks are more proof of the results we get from conventional farming and big ag. And finally, the Bay Area newspaper, The Daily Journal, reports that lard is making a comeback with chefs. A recent book was written called Lard, The Lost Art of Cooking with Your Grandmother's Secret Ingredient. There are so many celebrity chefs that champion lard, such as Chris Cosentino of the restaurants Encanto in San Francisco and Umami Contestant's Pig in Los Angeles. Much is misunderstood about this saturated fat, Lard is much healthier for you than canola and vegetable oils that restaurants often use. Hearing that lard is being championed more by chefs makes me extremely happy. And now for our main course, which today is avoiding soy. Soy is an ingredient like corn that's in more foods than people expect. Think that by being an omnivore, you're avoiding soy by not eating fake meats and milk? Guess again. Soy is a hidden ingredient in so many conventional foods. Animals that aren't pastured are often fed soy. This means factory farm meat, poultry, eggs, and dairy will all typically contain soy. Also, many snack foods, from chips to desserts, contain an emulsifier known as soy lecithin. What's so bad about soy, you ask? Soy is high in phytic acid, which makes it harder for us to absorb protein and calcium. Unlike other legumes, soy can't be soaked to reduce the phytic acid. Only long fermentation can make it easier to digest, And even then, it should be consumed in moderation. Also, unless it's labeled as organic, most soy is genetically modified. And then, there are people with soy allergies. One who's allergic to soy 
can't even consume non-GMO soy or fermented products such as soy sauce, miso, and tempeh. They also have to be very careful that they're avoiding all the products with soy lecithin, from food sold at supermarkets to menu items at restaurants. Here to talk with me about avoiding soy is Sue Ann Hastings. Sue Ann, great to have you on my show. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Absolutely. I mean, this is a very important topic to discuss about avoiding soy, and you're someone who has soy allergies, so like I said, you know, it's a thing of you even can't have the fermented soys or the organic non-GMO soys. Right. All those comfort foods that you have out there available to you in the grocery store or right out the checkout, you know, those yummy chips or uh, cute cupcakes, they all contain the soy. And so I have to look the other way when I'm when I'm exiting or I'm at the checkout counter. Now, how long have you been allergic to soy that you've known about your soy allergies? I found out prior to 2008, and I'm not sure if anybody knows exactly uh, what it is, you know, to have a food allergy, what actually happens to the body. But the, the body, you know, sees the food proteins as foreign. And so the body launches an inflammatory response to drive out that invader. Uh, so for me, this meant frequent visits to the ER. Um, it also meant fatigue, swelling, GI issues. Um, usually when I go to the ER, they would just sort of load me up with meds and send me on my way. They really didn't know what was going on with me until one doctor saved my life. She actually saved the quality of my life, and that was Dr. Zigner. And um, she is a specialist in allergy, and oh, wow. she is located... Um, in Redondo Beach at the Riviera Allergy Clinic. Oh, wow. So in, in Los Angeles, correct, because you were living in Los That's Angeles right. then. Yes, and, Redondo Beach, California. Right, so I should look up, uh, try to find out some more about her. I'm very interested to Oh, know. she's fabulous. She saved my life. I mean, it just all you have to do is simple test to find out what it is that's causing, uh, you know, you just slow down in life, um, you know, a little bit of fatigue or tired, swelling. You, you'll notice that... Your tissue uh, of your skin is sore, the epidermis. Uh, you'll notice a change. Even your head, your face gets sore and, and swollen. You have no idea what, what's going on. Um, and uh, it's frustrating. Absolutely. So this is something that was somewhat recent, I mean, in the last, like, four or five years. Is there any kind of um, – has it ever been kind of determined what may have caused the allergies? Is it just something that you kind of developed later in life, like you had younger, but as you got older it was – just became more sensitive? I believe, you know, being Canadian, we have a different way of processing our farming and mm -hmm. our produce. And when I moved to the United States, I started getting very sick and eating beef. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I could eat beef in Canada. I also worked in Mexico. I could eat beef there, too. What was the difference? You know, apparently the, the, Calif uh, the cow is the California happy cow. You know, when I go to Manzanillo, Colima, I see the happy cow. It is lounging around in grass and the sun, basking in the ambience and the atmosphere. It is, is able to roam around. Um, you know, they're grass-fed, grain-fed, and the beef tastes amazing. And I'm able to eat it there. I just can't eat it here in the United States. Right. Well, I certainly think that a lot of the ways we process food in America, the standard American diet does cause a, lot, cause a lot of our allergies. I mean, it's probably for some people, I think they're more sensitive or, I mean, the people I say that are allergic to soy, I think more, um, they could detect more what's, they have a better ability actually to detect what's phony. 
right. is, is really what yeah, it is. And the, in some ways, although it's hard, I think in other ways it's kind of a gift because you can detect what in our American food isn't real. And like I explained, we have so many we have soy in so many of our foods that it's no surprise that, like you said, in Canada you ate grass-fed beef. We're here. Grass-fed beef, you really have to look and find it. And, I mean, it's in so many other foods where I'm sure in Canada they don't use soy in all these foods because, I mean, a big thing is our government has subsidies on soy and Monsanto. They have a GMO soy, so because of their connection with the government and with big ag, they're putting it in a lot of our foods that I think, you know, the more we consume of it, especially the more GMO stuff that we consume of it, it affects us. Absolutely. I mean, soy is one of the top eight allergens. There's a fabulous lady, I'm not sure if you've heard of her, uh, Robin O'Brien, and she's an activist in educating Americans regarding this issue. Uh, she gives an amazing insight into the statistics of soy and how there is something foreign in our food. O'Brien's investigation discovered that in order to fatten up livestock and animals, they're being fed soy. And in 1996, scientists then genetically engineered the soybean, which our livestock is fed, so it could withstand, um, you know, increasing doses of weed killer. Scientists then have engineered something new into the seed because of this. So they could have a patent on the seed and sell more weed killer. At the same time, Canada, the UK, New Zealand, Japan, all 27 countries in Europe did not approve this and felt this not yet to be proven safe. Um, these governments exercised caution on this, but for some reason the U.S. took a different approach, and it hasn't yet been be proven dangerous, so we'll allow it. Um, O'Brien also digs into da data that discovers from 1997 to 2002, food allergies doubled. One out of 17 kids under the age of three years now has a food allergy. And the Center of Disease Control reports 265% increased rate in hospitalization uh, related to allergy uh, reactions. And these were doctors checking kids into the ER, not moms. And if you like this type of um, information, you find this data intriguing, um, I, I recommend you uh, check into Robin O'Brien. She speaks eloquently on the subject, and uh, she can be found on www wimp.com wimp.com oh nice yeah, absolutely that's a great thing for our listeners to go to and look for that and what's her specific area of focus well she is a businesswoman and mm -hmm. she's a mom and having that analytical background and being a mom with kids who she was who were experiencing um, allergies she was like what is going on why you know i never experienced food allergies when i was a kid growing up, what, what's happening? What is foreign in our food? And that's what we need to look at. There's something foreign in our food. Right. And it's a good point we bring up about the GMOs because a big thing we've been doing on the appropriate omnivore the past several months is Proposition 37, which would require mandatory labeling of GMOs. And I mean, this is kind of a wonderful segue into what we've been constantly been promoting and getting people to support. I even talked about it in my appetizers today about that people have said they wanted to label GMOs because I think it's a great proposition because the thing is it doesn't ban anything. So anyone says, you know, we're imposed, it's imposing on our freedoms that, you know, what we want something. So what if it's bad for us? All it does is it labels it and people are able to know just like we're able to know other things like, as I'm sure you do a lot of, you know, if soy is in something. So we have all this labeling of what ingredients are in things, how many calories, 
we should be allowed to know if it is GMO or not. Absolutely. We have a right to choose what we're purchasing as a consumer. We have a right, a responsibility as a parent or caregiver or just even if we are dining and entertaining others, you know, we need to know what sort of food we're serving at the dinner table. Absolutely. Now you're talking about how in Canada it's certainly different. And did you hear the recent thing about a genetically modified apple that they're working on in Canada? Oh, that's very disappointing. Yeah, it is. Although it sounds like it sounds like their main thing is to to sell it through the USDA, but um, I mean that's going to be done in Canada. Yeah, it's that's disappointing that's to hear. That's very disappointing to hear. Um, I always felt that Canada and Europe uh, were leaders in um, you know fresh food and produ- produce. So yeah, that's a little. I have to keep uh, an eye on that. Right. Well, you know, right now they're just submitting the application. We'll see what happens. Um, what are your thoughts on Stephen Harper as leader of Canada? You know, I, I just try not to go there. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Because, yeah. I don't know, kind of with Stephen Harper as running it, I it does make me a little worried if GMOs will get in. Yeah, yeah. I try to stay out of politics. <laughs> right, well, we uh, we try to stay out of politics on the show, too. I kind of, but, uh, the, but the one thing I do highly recommend is that prop. Absolutely. For labeling. I I do believe that we need to know. We already know what's on most of the labels. It's very difficult, too. For some, it's very confusing for some consumers as well when they're purchasing food. They see farm raised or green fed. You have to look at the label that says organic. That is the product that you buy. Right. Certainly with produce. Now, with, with meat, I would say actually have to look more than just organic because. Here's an interesting thing to bring up is that, like, meat that it says organic, all that means is that they were given an organic feed. And so, like, they could be given, in other words, non-GMO soy and corn, but they still could be fed corn. So for produce, I think certainly organic is the best. For meat, I would actually say grass-fed is the most important. And right. even better, it's – I mean, really the thing is for for beef, I mean, because there's also different levels of pasture. And, well, it goes the same for organics is how they're grown. I mean – I think the best way is shopping at farmers markets because you can talk directly with the farmers. Absolutely. They do know what's in their product. When you go to grocery stores sometimes, the staff really doesn't – some people are just there. They they don't really know. I don't know if they care. Um, you know, they're just there to do their job, um, you know, so. Right. And so a lot of times, like at farmers markets, you can talk to these – cattle farmers with grass-fed beef, and you can find out exactly how they raise them, and most of them also will allow you to visit their farm. I mean, really, those are the best ones to eat because they have nothing to hide. They're able to show you everything that's done, and you see that it's all done very clean and sustainable. Exactly. So those are the best ones. I'm allergic to beef in America. I can't eat beef because it is fed soy. Most of the animals are fed soy here. Right. Now, have you tried um, like going to farmer's markets and finding like, some non- Soy, like non-soy-fed, grass-fed beef, like at the farmer's markets? To be honest, I haven't really researched. I I, I was a little bit nervous in trying. When you have a food allergy, it's dangerous. You don't really want to play around too much unless you have your EpiPen handy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It could be your last supper. Right. And going back to the politics thing, actually, I think a thing that's good about this proposition is that, I mean, there's a political element of it, but... What I'm finding in my involvement, because I've been doing some volunteer work with the campaign, and that it's something that it really isn't a like liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican issue because of the fact that it doesn't 
ban anything, that both parties, all it is is a right to know. So it's really, it's great because I've done certainly a lot of political stuff. And this is probably the least divisive thing I've worked on, that it has something that really appeals to both sides. The only reason really to be opposed to the Prop 37 bill is if you are in a big ag company. That's the only reason to, to oppose it. Exactly. I can't even eat eggs either because they're also fed soy, you know, and I want to know what's on my label. And we have a right to know. And it really doesn't affect anybody. It's just about, you know, the consumer's choice. You know, these these products are also very expensive. You know, they're, they're very pricey. That is a problem. It is. Um, I don't mind myself paying for it. I'm sort of forced into paying for it due to my, my allergy. However, my concern is for the lower middle class, you know, that are on a tight family budget and they need to go to these, you know, very um, inexpensive stores or these, these stores that contain so much of the soy because they, they use the soy as an emulsifier to preserve the products to keep it on right, the shelf the longer. Thins. Yes, that, that little killer. And it'll stay on the shelf longer. So people can purchase it, but the body has such a difficult time in breaking that down. Right. And that's a big problem with our food thing is that they make these products that have longer shelf life, but in most of the cases, they're not better for you. In fact, I don't know if any case they're better for you. I mean, Michael Pollan talks about it. He says, never buy a product that doesn't have an expiration date. And soil atrocin is just another thing like distilled vinegar, which also keeps it longer. But the thing is, the longer they stay on the shelves, the longer they're also going to stay in your system. Right. You know, and 17% of today's children are obese. You know, the body, you know, we're eating foods that is swelling up the body and slowing our children down, slowing us down so we're not as active and we're not, you know, working out or being physical. We're getting lethargic. This could be the cause. They are. There's, we really don't, um, I think, address health a lot, especially with our kids. We don't think of a lot. And now... Certainly in your case, you have to read all the labels at stores. So essentially, because of your allergies, you are an appropriate omnivore. I am. I am. And, you know, the fewer the ingredients on the label, the healthier the product is. Absolutely, which is why these days I make a lot of stuff myself. I just buy the produce. I buy very few foods that have more than a few ingredients. And now you've talked about eggs, beef. What are some other products that you have a hard time finding things that are soy-free? Oh, okay. Um, Hmm. Well, just all the mostly the yummy stuff that we talked about earlier. You know, there's a lot of uh, things uh, in chips and and you know those right. little snacky foods. Those are just hazard. You know, Doritos that type oh, of thing. Yeah. You know, you just you know, when I'm at parties, I I have to I bring my own bag of chips or popcorn. Popcorn oh. is difficult. Yeah. Oh well. It has um, soybean oil in it. Well, you know, I, you should go to some parties I attend because it's a thing of me by choice. Actually, I will not eat a lot of these things. I will not eat Doritos anymore for other reasons. For me, it's a big thing because of well, one probably the biggest thing is the vegetable oils in them. After reading the book Science of Skinny, Demacrophy, uh, brilliant nutritionist and scientist, she has been on my show a couple times. Learning what these vegetable oil does to your body, I can't eat it. So for me at parties, I won't do it either. And it's a lot of times actually like I like to have the parties at my house, like with my poker buddies. I've mm-hmm. When they say that they want to have it at my house, it's good because I can provide the food. And probably most of the chips that I eat, um, you can have because I like, for one, um, potato chips called Good Health Natural Products. 
Those are soy free, no soybean oil. They're cooked in either avocado or olive oil. That's excellent. And yeah. also, you should try some of my tortilla chips. Also, I make my own because you do. I do. I make it from a non-GMO tortilla, corn tortilla, and then I fry it in coconut oil. Well, we need to get that on the market, Aaron. Oh, absolutely. We need to brand you and put. Well, you yeah, in the uh, the appropriate <laughs> omnivore. <laughs> Foods and stores uh, needs to uh, hit the market. Absolutely. Um, I'll be your first uh, well, customer. Some, someday. I mean, I mean, that's like a dream is actually to have a uh, – well, I'd also like, you know, to get like a restaurant, like Weston A. Price theme style. And then I think with the restaurant, you could like sell the sauces and the foods. Um, well, it sounds good. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready. What time is dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. So I think uh, my part is you do well because I do very hard to avoid soy. Yeah. And- well, when you have allergies like I do, you you do need to bring your own – you know, my go-to stores are often, you know, of course, Trader Joe's, mm-hmm. Whole Foods. Um, Fresh and Easy has been a surprising experience for me. To find just a hamburger bun was ridiculous at Albertsons or Vaughn's. I mean, I went through 20 different brands of, of hamburger buns just to make sure it didn't have soy in it. It was, you know, so time-consuming and so sad because it was in everything. I had to leave that store and I had to drive, you know, miles down to a fresh and easy. And there it was, a soy-free hamburger bun. I mean, they also had buns that had soy in them, but I had a choice. And again, that's with the labeling. You have a choice to purchase what what you feel comfortable with as a consumer. Is this Fresh and Easy's house brand? Um, no, you know, I can't remember off the top of my head what the name of the brand was, but they're very good at keeping organic um, produce there, very few ingredients. Uh, They don't have a long shelf life at Fresh and Easy. Everything's priced to sell and move. That's what I do like about this. Then it lives up to their name, Fresh and Easy. Exactly, exactly. It's just priced to go, and there's organic meat there. Um, You know, I'm going to look further into it and see what that meat is fed but there are really quick go-to foods there and I'm, i've been you know pretty surprised with them and actually happy that to see them spring up it's a little bit healthier way of eating more affordable you know for families that are struggling right now uh, it might be a good alternative for them Right. Yeah. And that's a big issue of organics being expensive. And my best advice is just you need to look around a lot, I think, to find the right priced ones. Sometimes if you go to like these local – because there's a lot of local natural stores here in L.A. such as uh, Grassroots Natural, Figueroa Produce, Full of Life. You know, I don't know about you, Aaron, but it really upsets me to know that you have to pay more for something that's natural and organic. What is wrong? It should be a rite of passage when you're born into America or any country that you can actually eat something that is fresh and real. It is. And, and in, on a blog the other day on Kabucha Camp blog, they're posting about how why are these organic things seen as the ones that are special? You know, why are these the ones that are seen as like – not the normal, you know, they would call the other thing conventional. Shouldn't organic be the conventional? Exactly. Like, I should be able to go up and say, hey, I want this genetically modified uh, corn bean, you know? I'm going to purchase this and cook it up and see what happens. Right. I mean, I strive for the day where just the standard is grass-fed and, you know, there's no vegetable oil. That's the standard. And, and raw milk is the standard. 
Yeah. That's the day that I strive to see where we don't even need to have these labels. That's just what's known as it. Exactly. I'm allergic to dairy, too, so that makes it tough for me because a lot of non-dairy creamers and things like that have soy in it. Um, you know, so I have the dairy allergy and the soy allergy. And, you know, my coffee in the morning is very difficult because I like it creamy. So uh, I have to use rice milk or coconut milk, mm-hmm. other alternatives. Well, certainly I think coconut milk is a great alternative because there's a lot of nutrition in the coconut. And have you ever tried coconut flour? You know, I haven't. Yeah. I, I don't have as much time on my hands to right. cook. <laughs> I, so, I, I don't know, you know how you have the time to do that. I don't that. know how I have it either, considering <laughs> everything that I have involved. I know, you're <laughs> such a busy bee. But I like doing it. Have you tried it all, like cooking yourself, making some things? I do. You know, I mostly make fresh food. So I'll, I'll buy fresh meat and fresh vegetables. Um, that's sort of how I was raised in Canada. And and in Europe, you know, you have the local marches or the farmer's markets or the mom-and-pop stores, and everybody supported one another. Um, I I just make simple foods with very few ingredients in them. But one of my very favorite go-to websites for people like myself who have allergies or any of our listeners would be uh, www.foodallergy.org, and it provides great recipes. And this is run by FAN. Uh, It's F-A-N-N. It's the Food Allergy and Anaphylactic um, Network. So that's a great go-to website. And then you can substitute some of the ingredients to suit your needs based on your allergies. And I just will give actually the exact quote that I was talking about earlier. This is from Handpicked Nation. Their quote is, If organic farming is the natural way, shouldn't organic produce just be called produce and make the pesticide-laden stuff take the burden of an objective? I know. That's a good one. It's so true. And it's a thing that I guess in the one thing I have to say, although it is expensive now, that you have to hope as more people buy it, it comes down. I guess kind of have to think of it like look at the hybrid cars. First, they were very expensive. But then as more people bought them, then the price came down because – yeah, they kind of they always target the the rich first. I mean, you look also like um, HDTVs. It was the same way. Of course, the big thing that car- happened with cars was the uh, the tax incentives. Maybe we should have tax incentives for buying organic natural food. That would be great. Absolutely. But and then again, why are we doing this? Why you know back in the day, I actually looked at my ancestry dot com. Looking back at my my family. Um, which was from Scotland and Italy, you know, uh, Scottish Canadians, they had long, healthy lives. You know, 89, 90, 95, really good long lifespans. Why? They were farmers. Right. They were raised, you know, making their own food and feeding themselves and their families. Right. Well, that goes a lot with the findings that the dentist Weston A. Price did in the 30s when he traveled around the world. They traveled these nations, a lot of which were underdeveloped, where they grow their own food and ate natural, that he felt that those were the people actually living the healthiest lifestyles. Absolutely. All right. Well, more with Sugan Hastings and soy allergies and other allergies when we come back. But first, we've got our first sponsor for the program. So let's uh, take a listen from our sponsor. Wise Traditions Conferences bring a world of nutrition information to the health professional and health-conscious consumer, and the conference meals and exhibit hall reflect our dietary principles. Join us this September 15th to 16th, Buffalo, New York, for our second regional conference, or November 9th to 12th in Santa Clara, California, for our 13th annual international conference. Learn and grow in wellness. 
See more details on WestonAPrice.org. And we're back. So that was a word from our sponsor, Weston A. Price Foundation, talking about their upcoming festivals in Buffalo next month and then in Santa Clara in November, which that's their big international conference. That's their largest conference that they've been doing several times. These regional conferences are newer thing they started this year. And there is a place where it will be all soy free because that's Th- a big this principle. This is an amazing Price foundation. foundation. And I love this 2012 shopping guide. Uh, just showing you the healthiest foods in supermarkets and, uh, you know, and also mail-order foods. That's great. Oh, yeah. It's a great little handy book. It's really a great resource. Absolutely. And they're actually, they're only like a dollar, or, I mean, if you join the West Knight Price Foundation for $40, you get the book. But, you know, it's just like a dollar. You can order it on the Internet and, you know, inexpensive. And it's an invaluable resource because they have very tough guidelines for what makes it in that they're the real deal that I mean – it's got to be good. And they also have some ones which, I mean, it's all based on a lot on what uh, Sally Fallon talks about her book, Nurturing Traditions. You know, it has like, it has like, you know, the, the ones that are like the best and the ones that are good because she always says good, better, best. And so in her book, she talks about some compromised foods. And it lists some of those too if it's, if some of these like, you know, bat- excellent ones are, are a little too expensive. She at least, you know, tries to recommend some compromised foods which may have a couple of greens you shouldn't typically have, but maybe a little easier to find depending on the area you're in or a little cheaper. This is great for families, um, healthcare workers, providers. I, I was a nanny for over 16 years and a children's book author. I developed a book series called, you know, The Many Moods of Maddie Bossy Boots that's available on Amazon right now. But one of the biggest things I had as a nanny, I felt a responsibility to make sure that the kids eat, ate properly in my care. So, you know, when we go to the parks, we made sure we had, like, you know, carrots and, you know, maybe boiled eggs or whatever, mm. you know, whatever could be healthier. None of this, you know, Dorito sugary stuff. Right. I love Though the boiled Though I do eggs. love the taste of Doritos. Like, you know, I have to say, if they could do a soy-free Dorito, I'd be all over it. I'm on it because uh, <laughs> I've tried to invent the Zoburitos. So, um, <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah, because uh, it. it is hard. And because even, like, that company, the Kettle Ships, that makes their version of Doritos. I mean, those are better than like the Frito-Lay Doritos, but I still would avoid those because they're cooked in vegetable oils and possibly soybean oil. I mean, they're all organic, but um, even those I don't need anymore. Really, it was a lot of actually of discovering the Weston A. Price and, uh, and so eliminating you know, some of these things that were like cooked in organic vegetable oils was really a great decision that I made. And that is a big goal of the Weston A. Price is about our children. And there was an organization formed by a Weston A. Price member in San Francisco, Sandrine Hahn, who I'm hoping to get on the show sometimes next month. She has an organization called Nourishing Our Children. Great. And she also started an offshoot of that called Nourishing Ourselves, which is for people you know without children, kind of with the same goal. But it's a very interesting thing what she talks about when she says the idea of nourishing our children and how to prepare to make your children ha- healthy that it actually starts before they're born. It even starts before pregnancy. It's the idea that right now, you know, because most people plan to have children, that you have to keep yourself body, your, your body healthy for the future when you're going to have children. It's true. You know, I really didn't know how to eat properly until I became an adult. You know, I, I was raised in an age when TV dinners were starting to come out, and that was a cool thing. You know? Oh, right. Me too. I you mean, know, it's, it, you know, I really had no idea that you're supposed to really eat all four food groups together and have it, you know, a pretty healthy um, spectrum of all of these foods. 
And then you notice all of these incidents that are happening with children and me being very close to children. And I, I, if, if people want to know some great books that I, I choose for kids, uh, that's called Brain Foods for Children. I tweet about them all the time. You can follow me on Twitter at La Suan. That's L-A-S-U-A-N-N-E. So I, I tweet about uh, different products that are coming for kids. Uh, we really need to pay attention to what we feed our children. Absolutely. That's a big thing. And, I mean, that's, I think, a lot of reason people get involved with it. So now when you got involved with healthy eating, was this after you discovered your soy allergies or was that before? It was actually after. I didn't realize that the food I was eating, the everyday food, was killing me. It was slowly killing me. I was just one bite away from anaphylactic shock. You know, I could have been there by myself eating one chip that would just take me over the edge. My body was so swollen and sore. I had no idea what was going on. And um, I went to Dr. Zigner at the uh, Riviera Allergy in Redondo Beach. And all we did was a simple skin test. And there was the culprit. Soy, dairy, beef. Actually, I don't know if I should give this cocktail away because someone might, you know, plan a dinner for me and just want to, you know, kill oh. me. This is a cocktail <laughs> for my death, people. <laughs> it's my last supper. You know, it's soy, dairy, eggs, beef, tuna, cod, blueberries, cabbage, and peanuts. How would you like to da- dine with oh, me? Wow. So the blueberries, you're allergic to blueberries? Yeah, I used to eat a lot of those when I was a child. Hmm. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, because, I mean, a lot of these berry fruits, those are on the dirty dozen of foods to not eat organic. So I wouldn't be surprised that it had a lot to do just with sensitivity to all the pesticides that are sprayed in the U.S. How long have you been living in the U.S.? I have been going mm, on my 14th year now. Right. Okay. So it was, it was a little after you noticed it, but I imagine it probably had to do a lot with from moving to the U.S., all of the chemicals that got in it. It was just a built, it was building up in my system slowly. Like I said, it was just a slow, steady mm-hmm. thing. My body didn't know how to break down this food. And, you know, the, the, I, I felt so ill. I had no idea it was, it's a chronic illness. You feel, you feel tired, lethargic. Uh, you, you have flu-like symptoms, but you don't really feel the flu. It, it's just, it's not fun. And then if you have any back issues and, and you know, you have to throw up or you have something going on because your stomach gets very sick, your body is going into shock. It can't handle this food. It doesn't know how to break it down or process it. It's foreign. Right. So in addition to grocery stores going to parties, how about restaurants? How does that work? You know, I have to be very clear with certain staff, the waiters, that I do have food allergies. And, you know, some people are very aloof to this. They think, oh, maybe she's lactose intolerant if it's dairy-free. out, you know, that kind of thing. But I, I have to make it really an important knowledge to them. And they have a responsibility to provide me with that food. Usually I can find something on the menu. But one of the uh, one franchise that I was really amazed at and very impressed with, and I, I hope that other restaurants follow their standards, is P.F. Chang's. When I told them about my food allergies, uh, they printed out all the foods on their menu that they could um, wow. actually make for me. And they could hold back on the sauces, on the soy sauce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so impressed with this that they found a loyal customer in me, you know. So I will go back to them because they cared so much. It is very serious. You could really hurt somebody feeding them something that they are allergic to. 
you know, and even I, I do have, you know, some of some of my food allergies are very serious, like soy is my biggest anaphylactic one. Um, but, you know, I have a mild allergy to tuna. If somebody gives me something that has tuna in it or even a little bit of dairy, you know, I'll be homesick. It's right. not fun. You know, you, you know, it's, is it worth, uh, oh, let me, I'm sorry, I, I gave you dairy. Uh, let me, let me take that, you know, this one's on the house. Is it that, you know, is it worth getting a free tab, a free dinner, mm-hmm. you know, to go home sick? It's, it's right. not, it's not fun. Yeah. And is tuna something you can eat when you're in Canada or somewhere else? You know, just because it was on my list, I just wanted to avoid it. I would because too. I was yeah. feeling I so I was feeling so poor and I I feel so much better knowing now what I what, what elements my body has issues with and my quality of life has improved. I have more energy, my skin has changed, the coloring of my skin. I mean, it was killing me. I've lost 20 pounds. You know, my body didn't know how to break this down. Most of it was swelling. So this is serious, and if anybody can relate to any of this, any of our listeners, I would highly recommend, you know, seeing an allergist and and checking out, you know, what culprits might be interfering with your with your body at this time. Well, I have to say that I've been getting to understand what you and other people with allergies go through at restaurants because, as I've explained in my earlier shows, for me this is this is rawest. I'm taking a challenge where I'm going to go with. Out anything pasteurized, which you know, it's a couple of small things like there's oils, vinegars that are pasteurized, beers, but the biggest thing it that is pasteurized is dairy, and so it's a thing of actually now when I'm at restaurants for the month, I have to ask like, is there dairy in your bread? Uh, yeah, dairy is dairy and soy are in everything. America puts cheese on almost, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at the menu, there's cheese on almost every item. Um, the only cheese I can actually eat are cheese um, from Europe, the brie. Wow. It's pasteurized differently. Right. Well, I wonder about like raw milk cheeses could you eat? I um, haven't tried that. You know, right. I'm a little nervous. Yeah, oh, I, I certainly understand. But I, I can do goat's cheese. Mm-hmm. Goat's cheese is fine. And it, it just, most of the imported cheeses I can eat. The, the ones here... I can't. Right. Oh, there's some are, there are some imported that are raw. Yeah. And I mean, so it's been a thing that, I mean, I haven't had any cheese in restaurants. And fortunately, I've stocked up on some raw milk cheese, then get it at the health food stores. And honestly, um, I guess I really miss the pasteurized cheese this much. I kind of appreciate that the one cheese I've been able to eat is the raw milk, eat the cheese that's best. Not to say that I won't ever uh, order cheese again at a restaurant, but... I sort of feel now like I don't necessarily need to order it. And I mean, the other thing is when I eat out at restaurants, I don't go for being totally perfect, but I do try to choose restaurants that at least are somewhat better, somewhat healthier, more sustainable. But, you know, I don't always get to choose the restaurant. Sometimes it's ones that my friends pick. And I'm almost thinking like if my friends pick some greasy spoon diner, um, I may just now forgo the cheese because I don't trust a cheese at a greasy spoon diner. The other thing this has gotten me to realize is, are perhaps breads at restaurants even worse than we thought? Oh, yeah. A lot of the breads have soy in it. Exactly. You know, I mentioned earlier trying to find the hamburger bun for the summer grill, you know, barbecue. It's very difficult. And I'm not sure. It depends if the restaurant is making it fresh. They probably do it the traditional way with the flour, olive oil, and water uh, method. But, you know, if they are mass 
you know, they have very busy customer clientele, they're probably importing their bread from, from someplace else. And so, or, or the, the actual mix. So you have to be careful with that. Right. Well, I mean, cause the thing of, I mean, already, I mean, you know, I think white flour is a problem for a lot of our health issues. And so, I mean, you know, white flour is something it's okay when eaten in small amounts. And so, I mean, I've always thought, well, you know, when you're eating out, you can just treat yourself to some white flour, but I'm realizing that it's more than the white flour that's in the bread because, I mean, if there's dairy and, okay, what kind of dairy is this? I mean, you know, is this grass-fed dairy or is this factory farm dairy that was given hormones, antibiotics, fed GMO corn and soy? Which goes to our, our next question. We have, you know, the GMO labeling. Should this be on menus as well? Oh, absolutely. I think restaurants, I mean, they made the thing of, like, restaurants being required. It's just fast food restaurants at all restaurants that have to put the number of calories. Right. I think there should be a requirement because I don't think it's part of the bill. Actually, we talked about this, I guess, a couple months ago that it's just in stores right now, but hopefully can leak this. Absolutely. I think restaurants should be required to say if they serve GMOs. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time I have to go to restaurants where they they make the food and prepare it fresh. You know, I can't can't go to any of the fast food chains. Mm -hmm. You know, um, even, even Taco Bell. And their hot sauce has soy in it. Right. How about Chipotle? Chipotle. Um, usually I would have to go with just the organic salsa. You know right. how they have just the chopped up tomato. See, salsa. that's the one I go with too because I feel that's the less processed. It doesn't have any of the distilled vinegar. So that's always the one that I get in there. Yeah. My biggest trouble, I guess, is my, you know, my fave is sushi. So that was a killer to not be able to dunk my, my sushi in a big, you know, little you know, a big thing of soy sauce. Okay, now here's a replacement I have for you. Um, it doesn't really taste like soy sauce, but um, my friend Stanley Fishman, who wrote the book Tender Grass-Fed Meats, I mean, he doesn't have a soy allergy, but he still likes to consume soy, only very rarely. So he's found a thing of replacing soy sauce with fish sauce. Oh, okay. Very different taste, but he said he likes it. Actually, there's some oyster sauce. That's nice. So, you know, hopefully, uh, knock on wood, I won't become allergic to oysters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, I can do seafood. So that's great for me. Also, there's a there's a, a sauce that tastes very much like soy. It's called Maggie sauce, M-A-G-G-I-E, which you can find in most grocery stores. It's a little more salty, but has it pretty much tastes like soy. Interesting. What is it made of? You know, I don't have the ingredients off the top of my head. But it is, you know, it's very difficult to defer the taste between the two. I just, I just noticed it's more salty. But again, you would have to bring that to the restaurant, you know. Uh, some of the sushi chefs have created some sauces for me to dip in, you know, mostly like lemon with a little bit of chili and stuff like that, being creative. So I might come up with some kind of suantastica sushi sauce dip one of these days who knows right okay here we actually i've been able to find what maggie sauce is it's made by nestle and the ingredients are water salt wheat gluten wheat and it says less than two percent of wheat bran sugar acetic acid artificial flavor disodium insonate disodium guanolate dextrose caramel okay so i mean a few ingredients but certainly um i think something sounds really healthy huh (laughs) well you know here's the thing this is made by nestle um 
I mean, so basically, Maggie is a brand, but um, it tastes it's something good, that. Well, the thing is, it's I think it's, it's all right. Alternative, especially yeah. if you have a soy allergy and something in moderation. But I mean, perhaps there are other brands out there that make something similar. Or hmm, you may have come up with a challenge for me of how to make a uh, more natural Maggie sauce. Yeah, that, that's like just bring it on. Well, I, I, I love going. the challenges. I mean, that's actually um, that's actually become a thing that's been. Uh, and the interesting thing for me is trying to make things, uh, cook things for people with allergies. Like, um, I've been learning to cook with, uh, with spelt flour because people with wheat allergies can handle spelt flour. Now, gluten intolerance, that they can't have spelt flour. So, that's at some a point, I want to try buckwheat because I, because people with uh, gluten intolerance, buckwheat. Although, I've talked to people with gluten intolerance and they've said buckwheat has a very strong flavor that a lot of them. That's, don't that's like really have, thoughtful. Um, people have, I think, avoided, um, you know, inviting me over for dinner because I'm such a pain in the ass. <laughs> I just told them not to worry about my food allergies. I could always find something or bring something myself, you know, and that's my responsibility. It's my right. issue. I don't really want to make it anyone else's issue. I just like to have people be aware of it. You know, a lot of times when you're at parties, you're like, you need to try the sauce. You need to, no, seriously, just give it a little try. And, and I'm like, you know, I'm allergic to cheese. I can't, but just give it a little try. Like, you don't understand. I will get really sick. Some people don't quite, you know, really digest what could happen to somebody with a food allergy. You know, no, just just try it. No, I can't. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I try to be the same way at parties because for me, it's not that I can't eat it, but I, just, I choose to be healthy. So I never ask that, you know, oh, you have to serve all this grass-fed beef and raw milk and fermented foods. I don't request that, but... You know, it's a thing of um, I still am somewhat selective at parties where just I won't anymore eat like stuff cooked in vegetable oils. Right. And you have a choice to do that. And it is very healthy. And you will notice a difference in your the way you think. It it does alter your brain chemistry. You know, a lot of times after we eat a a heavy meal with all of these soy ingredients, um, we can feel lethargic and tired and not focused, have difficulty concentrating. Uh, this goes back to what we talked about with kids in school. And uh, when they have a healthy food, um, they're able to stay focused and um, behaviorally as well and be educated in, in the classroom and, and be focused and absorb the information that is being given to them because they have great food in their system. Absolutely. And certainly after I eat something like grass-fed beef and raw milk and just something that's very natural, I, I f- don't feel tired at the end. I feel more energetic and just very positive, clear clear thinking. Yeah, isn't it? It's amazing. It's wonderful. The difference. Yeah, just, you, you know, you, it's, it's just, just a few little things that you can do. It does make you more disciplined when you have a food allergy. You, you really have to hold back on all these foods that you were so used to eating and you remember the taste, but I associate the taste with being very sick because people always mm-hmm. ask me, how can you not eat a piece of cake? How can you not have that cute little red, you know, foodie cupcake that's so, uh, you know, fashionable right now to eat or br- to bring to parties? And when I look at that, I think of being really sick. So I associate that pretty little puffy thing with feeling really ill because that made me so ill. It made me, you know, go to the ER so many times. Um, And so that's how I cope with that issue and holding back and being disciplined on that. Me too, because that's certainly a complaint I hear about things such as grass and beef, like, oh, it tastes so much game. It doesn't have the uh, 
the fat from corn that it has. And for me, it's just knowing what's done in the grain-finished cows and in the feedlots and that, that it just to me it tastes better just thinking of how the cows are raised that makes it taste better. Or similarly with the raw milk butter, I mean, it does have a little different taste to it, which at the beginning it was rather weird for me because it wasn't how I was used to butter as tasting, but... With this whole month of August, um, and the only butter I've had has been grass, then the raw milk. Um, now I'm just thinking like that's how all butter should taste, and in a way, I think actually it does have a better taste because it has more of kind of a sweeter taste. It has more, I think actually the raw milk butter has more flavor it to it. It's in richer. Your mouth. It does. Yeah. Yeah, and it just melts right onto the bread. It's you know it's so easy to spread. Again, I'm allergic to butter, so right. I, I, I do the olive oil thing. Mm-hmm. So you know. Absolutely, get my, my yeah. My bread in olive oil and balsamic vinegar. Right. Well, that's certainly good. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, there's been a thing with olive oil recently. Of I guess a lot of them being fake. There's been. I know. Thing. What is up with that? Yeah, you don't have to it's worry scary. About our precious olive oil. Well, and it's scary that I mean, again, it goes with labeling that how they're able to get away with this not being labeled. I mean, it, it like it could possibly be like vegetable oil in there that they like partly that they label it as olive oil yeah and it's hard it it, it, i think they're diluting it i heard and you know if you're cooking with olive oil or you're baking with it it changes the uh you know the fluffiness or the texture of the food and the and the quality right well it's olive oil and baking is is a little tricky um some people such as dr mercola say never heat it and then others, um, such as my guest Dee McCaffrey, she says, I think she never personally does. She's basically said, if you do heat it, only heat it at low heat. So for me, I've kind of stopped cooking with it. Instead, I cook with coconut oil. But certainly olive oil is a much better substitute for salad dressings than yes. what we have in ours. Yes, definitely. An easy go-to. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess I can't say I, t- I totally avoid olive oil cooking because like with pizza, you have to cook in the bread and... I think with that it's all right because I don't think you put too much direct heat to it and it's mixed in that at least I would hope it would be Yeah, and that's another food, pizza. You know, a lot of the frozen foods that you find in the supermarkets, even at your your great food chains like Trader Joe's and and Whole Foods, they all contain the soy. You know, a lot of frozen products have the Mm -hmm. soy um, in it, soy lechon. And uh, so we need to be careful on that. And pizza parlors, you know, they may have soy in their sauce. A lot of sauces oh, really? have soy. Yeah. Their tomato sauce. Um, I find also, you know, soups. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe, I, I, you know, sometimes oh, I would yeah. ask and they would, you know, add soy as a little bit of the, into the broth or chili. Is this soups in restaurants? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, and, and even in Campbell's. Right. Yeah, well, I've, I don't buy canned soup anymore. Yeah. I, mean, I make my own soup. And so, yeah, my soup is, is completely soy-free. You need to have your entire line of products out there on the <laughs> well, market. Well, I think, yeah, I yes. think uh, I have, like, have probably to. my best customer right here. Yeah, I'll be, the, be, I'll uh... be a loyal shopper, like I said, the first one. And, I, you know, when I also invite people over for dinner, um, you know, I do cook, you know, things that they might enjoy as well. But I try to introduce them to more of an organic, healthier style. Sounds like all things I would like. Yeah, so I imagine, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just pretty. It's right up my alley. You know, it's like back in the day, you know, if you go to Europe, the women shop daily. You go for the best, what meat looks the best that day, what vegetables look the best that day, and you get creative and you create a lovely plate to, um, to make dinner, you know, for that evening. It's a daily um, event. It's it's a it's a feeling. Uh, it's it's a ritual, you know. And here we just kind of 
mass shop. We don't have a lot of time. We just throw things in the cart and think maybe I'll eat them. But eventually. But for me, with me and my cravings, I'm not sure if I'm going to crave, you know, salmon that day or chicken or whatever it is. But I have the ability to go to the store and see what products that are organic look great and fresh and ready to cook. I'm kind of noticing that I've kind of done a thing more of a daily shopping. It's very much like you said because I don't want to buy a food if I'm not going to use it right away. So I very much like to buy food you know, when it's going to be right before it's going to be cooked. So I do a lot of daily shopping. So now what are some of your favorite things to eat that you're able to eat with, with all your allergies? Well, I mean, I, I eat pretty much what everybody else eats. Mm-hmm. I, I just just make sure that it's fresh. Right. You know? I just, you know, I, I can prepare chicken anyway or um, I love pasta. I love, um, you know, rice pasta. I love making my my own organic tomato sauce. Um, my own organic nice. salsa sauce. Um, I just. Oh yeah, I make my own salsa too. Yeah, yeah. I just en- I just enjoy the process. It allows me to unwind from the day. And you know, um, if anyone has recipes out there, any listeners or have any suggestions for me as well, or, or experiencing some of the same things, they they can message me at Twitter at Lasuan. Well, that's great. And um, chicken. Now, is that hard to find soy-free chicken, or how does that work? You're able to handle. You know, I've just been purchasing organic um, chicken, and, you know, I'm making inquiries. I'm not really sure exactly what I'm eating, mm-hmm. um, but it's not directly soy, uh, so it it doesn't affect me as strong as just, you know, eating the soy directly. So, right. you know, if I was to, to drink the soy sauce, that would be a whole Interesting, other thing. Interesting, right. And how about the, but the eggs, the soy is more directly affects you? Yeah, I don't know why. I just thought I was allergic to eggs because they add, you know, milk and, and butter to it sometimes when they're, you know, scrambling it. And now I realize that the chickens are fed soy as well. So I need to look further into this in order to get an egg that I could possibly eat. Right. Well, so and it's been great to have you. So just tell listeners again, like, where they can find you on the web and on Twitter and I'm, tell them about your books. Oh, well, my books are um, have a new series coming out called Raising Maddie Bossy Boots. Uh, it's for preschool kids, ages two to seven, and uh, we're coming out on Amazon. Uh, you can Google my name, Sue Ann Hastings, S-U-A-N-N-E, last name Hastings, and uh, you can see my books there and follow me on Twitter at La Sue Ann. Thanks. Well, it's been great to have you. So now we got to go to our desserts. This is how to live appropriately in the upcoming week. This past week, this past Wednesday, in fact, would have been Julia Child's one hundredth birthday. Julia Child was a true appropriate omnivore. She favored cooking with fats such as butter, cream, and beef tallow. She also had many great dishes of chicken, pork, and fish. To learn more about her, Bob Spitz recently released a biography on her called Desire, The Remarkable Life of Julia Child. Also, one of the foremost experts on GMOs, Jeffrey Smith, will be speaking at Venice High School about voting yes on Proposition 37 this November. And finally, if you can make it today, I'll be hosting an event with Transition to Green in an hour at the Border Grill in downtown Los Angeles. The Border Grill is a sustainable Mexican restaurant and is run by former Top Chef Masters contestants Susan Finneger and Mary Sue Milliken. That's all for this week of The Appropriate Omnivore. My guest next week is Peggy Sutton, owner of To Your Health Sprouted Flower.